Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix Please put your hands together and make a little noise For your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys Ooh, Bosco's boys Come on, boys The boys are back, and it is a rainy and stormy day in the Kansas City metro. It is myself and uh, the Twitter-themed Grant. Grant, how are you doing on this rainy, loud Sunday afternoon? Or I guess morning still. Good. I love it. It's It's been storming. I mean, I've been up since like 6. Um, wife was kind enough to let me get a pretty good night's sleep. I got, uh, she went to Topeka yesterday, took the boy. So I was like, had the house to myself for like four or five hours. And I got a little drunk by myself and played some PlayStation. It was incredible. But by like, I mean, I got a little too day drunk on accident. So by like 10 p.m., I was like feeling kind of shitty. So she pretty much did everything throughout the night. So I got up early and I've had him for the last like four hours, but it's been great thunderstorm. I haven't, we haven't had a good thunderstorm like this in a long time and it's didn't, uh, lovely. Didn't we have a storm uh, like over Mother's Day? Maybe. This one's been pretty Weekend. good. At least yeah, this has been good. So that first storm, actually my neighborhood lost power, but like six hours after the storm. So I, I had just gotten back from spending Mother's Day in Topeka at my house and like literally i was like oh i'm gonna go to transport brewery to get a couple beers hit my garage door open it stops like halfway going through i'm like what the hell's going on then i go to my breaker thinking oh my god this is the first time like my house has lost power i'm freaking out i don't know what to do then i step out into my backyard and i have a neighbor who He's an old guy. He's like out and he's just like, yeah, power's out. And I see some other people like looking around. I was like, okay, it isn't just me. But then it's like, man, I feel like a caveman. I can't get out of my house. Like I didn't want to fuck with my garage door opener because I'm sure I would have broken it. So then I just sat in my basement, like looking at my phone. Luckily I have like LTE. So I was able to like get internet on my phone, but man, I would not have done well in the pre-electricity age or even the pre-internet age. I have absolutely zero skills. Yeah, not, I, it wouldn't be good. But you're a you're a homeowner now, so you have to deal with all the shit on your own. Now. I know. I need to no figure, landlord to call. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I at least knew where the breaker was, and I was like, all right, I know what to flip. It, it it's not flipped off, so I think I'm okay. And then I went outside, and sure enough, it was that. And then luckily, you know, the Evergy app, I could see it, you know, outage in my area. But I'm just glad it like didn't happen right as I was backing out or like some like final destination thing with my garage door uh, <laughs> killing me. So hopefully I don't lose power while we're doing this. Um, today's show, this is kind of inspired because you've had a couple tweets uh, because you still haven't been banned again. I'm shocked, to be quite honest. This is the longest know. you've gone in a long time. But just talking about how, oh, yeah, you want to talk about football, yada, yada, yada. I think the first time you tweeted that, I like looked it up. I was just like, God, the offseason's so long that we're still closer to the college football championship game than we are like the last championship game to the next season. I was just like, man, the offseason's long. And I think you did another one of those tweets. And I looked it up on the calendar. It's like, okay, we're officially now closer to week one of the college football season than we were to the college football championship game. So I thought, okay, let's just have a football conversation. We're going to talk about the upcoming football season. We're going to chat about it. We have some 
conversation points, kind of get some point of views, not necessarily predictions, but just getting the juices flowing here in the middle of May to talk some football. And I got to give you props because it's all inspired by your tweets. Before we do, before we do, locker room. This Thursday, we're going to have a similar conversation with all the boneheads who want to join. I want to hear what you guys are feeling confident in, things you self questions about, things you're still scared about for the upcoming football season. We're going live every Thursday on the Locker Room app. It's the only spot for live audio only sports talk platform where you can talk to, you know, gargantuan or what's the word you like? Is it gargantuan? Is that the word you're always using? I think so. <laughs> yeah, Gargat. It's the only spot you can talk to our Gargantuan show and others. The folks from the Ringer on there. I see NBA players, MLS guys on there literally nightly. You can do watch parties. I tell you what, when football and basketball season start up, locker room is going to be amazing because we're going to be able to do instant yeah. reactions with all the boneheads, uh, all the biggest rumors. It's going to be great. Locker room is where you need to be. Uh, and again, this Saturday, we're going to do something similar. It's going to be football heavy. So we're going to be getting everyone's confidence, fears, and questions. And then also Take Line, a new podcast that's partnering with us because we know everyone likes spo- sports, culture, and takes. Take Line has it all. It's a weekly podcast by an Emmy winner by the name of Jason and a former WNBA champion, Renee Montgomery. It's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA world and sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee will talk about the games, the players, the controversies, and the issues that run both on and off the floor. Follow them at any place you can find your podcast. That's Take Line for your sports, culture, and takes. Okay. So we're going to talk football. Hey, and before, again, we, before yes. we get into K-State, Twitter threw us a bone, and we can laugh at it and pick it apart oh. a little bit for a couple minutes. Conference yes. realignment. First off, first off, weren't you the one who told me when we did our conference realignment show, oh, we're not going to hear anything about it. And I said every offseason, every offseason we get it. I'm blown away. I don't know who this guy is. I mean, he had 20,000 followers. He didn't have a blue check mark or anything. Clearly some sort of journalist. But, I mean, I haven't seen it anywhere else. I actually think that's a – I think that's like a parody account. Yeah, but I did find I did find the article on Yahoo Sports and I can pull it up and read off the names if we want to do it. But uh, Yahoo Sports Pac-12 Conference realignment. This but yeah, it, it, it comes through and it, it yeah, it just bugs me. All right. So it, it was a Pac-12. It was on Yahoo Sports. It's by Pete Fiala. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. He sucks. Probably like that. Him. Yeah. That's probably right. Yeah, <laughs> probably was right. So he goes through and he's saying, oh, the Pac-12, they have a new commissioner. He's going to be bold. He's going to do everything right. They're going to expand again. And this is why I don't give any credence to this article that, again, got a lot of traction on Big 12 Twitter um, because it includes Big 12 schools. Because one of the first schools he lists, because he lists 10, he lists BYU. There's fucking no way Stanford and Cal are going to share a conference with BYU. They're some of the most liberal, over-the-top academic mm-hmm. universities. They're not going to bring in a fucking Mormon school, even though it's a good academic school, even though it's a great media market. Truth be told, the fact that the Big 12 went east with BY or with West Virginia instead of going BYU. And again, BYU would have caused some issues for us too. I'm not trying to say they're perfect, but the fact they're not considered a power school and they're not in a power conference is wild, but they would never be in the Pac-12. The next one they mentioned is Boise State. Again, with an academic rating in the 300s, it used to be a junior college. They're not going to bring in Boise State. Then they bring in Fresno State. I don't see it happening. Nevada, still hard sell. We're going to skip number six because it's a Big 12 school. Then it gets into UNLV. Again, bad academic institution, but the Pac-12 looks like they're going to be moving their conference headquarters from San Francisco to UNLV. So I might give that a little bit of credence if they were trying to do it. Then it's another Big 12 school. Then San Diego State. Again, I don't see it, but they're, I mean, I don't know. They probably make more sense than anyone else. And then two or two more Big 12 schools. 
So I think the article's shit and trash because they're mentioning schools that there's zero chance. They mentioned the number one school that they should add is Oklahoma. Number two is KU. Number four is Tech, or number four is Oklahoma State. And number six is Texas Tech. So I you think hear, it's absurd. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's absurd because who legitimately, let, let's, let's have an honest conversation. Who of those schools would be better off in the Pac-12, yeah. who maybe well, just, KU, maybe I mean, yeah. because the, what the 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 draw for KU would be like okay, you can have a easier football schedule, and then you have more quote unquote blue blood basketball programs because you have Arizona and UCLA. But here's the thing: look what's happening in the Big Twelve in basketball. Baylor just won a championship. Texas is about to become the best school in the nation in basketball. Why would any of these schools leave? And Particularly Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Oh. They're in the they have the most comfortable, like cushy position. They've they've made the playoff like uh, quite a bit. And I mean they're making good money. They win the conference every year. They are undoubtedly like in a very, very strong position in football. And I mean, there's no no real world scenario where Oklahoma would want to leave the Big Twelve. And if they did, it wouldn't be for the fucking Pac twelve. Like no. No, the Pac-12 is not. It's. I find it just very funny that there's an article coming out about like the Pac-12 poaching teams when nothing, no, like the only th- propaganda about the Pac-12 for the past three or four years is about how fucking dog shit they are, top to bottom, and how it's just falling apart. And that's not even propaganda. That's just reality. Of course, yeah, they yeah. had a great basketball season in the tournament and looked very strong, but. None of these I mean, schools, like nobody watches Pac-12 games anymore. They've no. got to be in the absolute worst TV market. It's it's just not going to happen. It's no, absurd. And, and here's the thing. They got a new commissioner, and I get it. He, he used to be like the president of the MGM, great business line. I understand why he might be thinking about it. But you're not going to get Big 12 schools. The only way the Pac-12 expands is if they get get a better TV deal or Hulu, whatever. It's a TV deal and they need more inventory. And if that's going to happen, you're not going to, it's not going to leapfrog you ahead of the big 12 when right. it comes to revenue TV money, the, the best move for them legitimately, if they're saying, Hey, we are going to expand. It would be BYU and UNLV, but it's ne- BYU is never going to happen. So UNLV and I guess San Diego state, but again, that's not going to help you get people to watch on TV or on who certainly right. I mean, I could see them expanding. I agree with you with those schools. There's absolutely no way they're going to take like a tier one school poached from another conference. That just makes absolutely no sense. I think that type of realignment is probably done for the foreseeable future. Unless like, unless these, there's like a super conference type of scenario again, where there's like four super conferences. I just can't imagine like big teams big schools like that moving anytime soon. Yeah, big schools, no. I could still – I think the SEC wants to get to 16, and I think the way they would get there is either so – I, I think they would try to grab, like, Virginia and North Carolina if they could. You know, yeah, I, 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 I don't see anyone leaving the Big 12. So I, I think it's a stupid article, but it started – so that one article then creates 12 <laughs> think piece articles and stuff surrounding it. So I'm sure this isn't the end. TV contracts are starting to get rewritten. Um, I'm sure before, I bet you before the end of the summer, so before a football game is kicked off, I will bet you a six-pack that there is at least one think piece article saying Oklahoma, some version of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or KU, a combination of those three to the Big Ten should happen. There's a pretty good chance of that. Yeah. I mean, considering what we just saw and talked about. Um, yeah. Sure, I'll bet you that. Why not? Okay. Good deal. I like buying people beer anyway. So yeah, you did bring Um, me over when you came to the house. I appreciate it. One more thing. Our enemy hired a competent coach. Do you have any thoughts on that? So yeah, we we talked about uh we've talked about about Leopold at all. So we talked about it in a live show. I don't know if you and I have talked about it directly. I think, I, I, and I was the first one to say this, and then everyone started copying me. Lance Leopold is the <laughs> first adult 
hire that KU Athletics has made ever. And I, I actually think Travis Goff, their AD, was a smart hire. Although he has to be thinking, fuck, if I just waited two months, I would have been the AD at Northwestern, which would have been a much better job. Um, so I think those were two good hires. Here's the thing about being good hires. It's all relative to where KU football is. Lance mm-hmm. Leopold has been begging on his hands and knees for a power five job for three years now. And the only interviews he has gotten was Illinois this year, which ended up going with Burt Bielma, you know, fat ass hog guy. You know, I know he was at K-State for a while, but he sucks. So he got beat out by him. And then he landed at KU. I think he's fine. I think if you were to tell me Lance Leopold's going to be there for five years, I would say he maybe gets to one bowl game. But yeah, he, I mean, giving the keys to Jeff Munkin and letting him do the triple option would have been a better decision. But no one, no Power Five is ever going to run triple option again. So yeah. they psyched themselves out. It was the best hire they can make, and it's sad that the best hire they could make is a. Mac coach who's five games over 500 and he probably will be heralded as a success at KU without ever going to a bowl game yeah I mean I think if the one thing it might do is heat up the water a little bit maybe sharpen the tools for our coaching staff have to force them to be a little bit more aware during our games considering I mean there's been like a couple games in the last what 12 wins that we've had where if KU had a competent coach, they could have poached, they could have poached a victory. Um, you know, Bills last year, even last okay. year, they were so fucking far from where we were. But I mean, we were doing absolutely nothing in that game last year until our boy returned three punts and kind of blew the doors off. But um, I mean, here's the thing. If there's a time, if there's ever a time where K-State and KU are on par with one another in football, it won't be because of Leopold's success. It will be because of our failures. Like there's no fucking way he's, he's not that good. He's not going to bring that program up because he's so good. It'll be because we fucked up and we are, our trajectory was, has changed and gone down. Honestly, they should have hired him when they hired less miles. That yeah, would have given sure. them a better fighting chance to close the Les gap. Miles but... was the worst fucking hire. I, I can't believe like, when they hired him and I was, I was seeing scared. all this excitement and I was seeing, I, I was not, I was not scared at all. And I'll tell you why, because all that, all you had to do is like, think about what has this man been doing for the past like four years, three or four years. He's been in fucking grass commercials or whatever. He's been to acting. He's this man just wants you, you nailed it. He wants to be in the limelight. He has nothing to do with coaching. And then when you see him speak, it's like, Oh, it's over. What an yeah. awful hire. I cannot well, believe they hired him. So my fear went away when I watched the intro press conference. So um, here's my question, because again, there's, we're not going to rehash it. If anyone wants to listen to the saga of our most recent transfer, um, go listen to the live show from uh, last week. I promise next time on the live show too, I'm going to be prepared for it. So I won't have a baby crying every like two seconds into the mic. I mean, that's the fun of the live shows. I'm not, I'm not too worried (laughs) about that. That's fun. You have, chef doing chef things and uh babies crying and we have people calling in from the moon we have people coming in to bully haze live on air it's that's the fun of the live show so it doesn't matter um i think that there is a lot of and again not our live show but we talked about it i think there's a lot of pessimism surrounding the football staff and this will kind of transition to us talking about yeah. what we're worried about i think that there's a lot of pessimism and I I understand some of it. I, I think that there are mm. some assistant coaches that probably are legitimate dead weight when it comes to recruiting, and that sucks. And they've had legitimate recruiting misses. And they've had some issues. The the defensive back room, they took some risk on some guys and it came back to bite them. So that's why they can't miss and the depth isn't there. And I understand why there might be some pessimism, but we talked about this on the live show about how the Sanford game might be the second most important game behind that first game versus KU for climbing, uh, mm-hmm. establishing himself. He needs to fucking just bring the hammer down on KU this year. And like, if he gets the chance, he has to run it up because here's the thing. If they even keep it within like 17, they're going to start feeling themselves thinking, Oh man, 
we're making moves, we're closing the gap. He can't allow that to happen. He cannot allow that to happen. I have, yeah, I have no fear for this season's Sunflower Showdown. I mean, we got, I, I think we'll beat the absolute piss out of him. We've got Skyler. I, so. I feel pretty confident. We'll I hope right. so. Yep. so. And they're fucking awful. They're so fucking bad. Like, if you remember how bad they were last year, they're not going to be any better. They might be okay in three to four years, competent, slightly competitive, but yeah, he's got so much work to do. We'll be well, laughing. We'll be laughing our way to another to thirteen in a row. If Easy. Gavin, if Gavin Potter starts playing like Ray Lewis, we might be in trouble. That would be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I think that would, I I don't want to lose to them, but it might be good for the rivalry if he has a big game. It is funny. Like I, I say this now, but like I. I'm always so fucking nervous for that game. Like, just the prospect of losing to them in football is so bad. But the reality is they are thousands of miles away from us. And we're not not even, like, that's saying something with how bad they were. Because, I mean, we're coming off a four and six season, and we have a lot of question marks. But they are so fucking bad. So, I'm not worried. Ready ready for a hot take, and then we'll move on. Texas Tech might have a top five draft pick playing quarterback (laughs) for them. Like, they got that transfer from Oregon. I think he might be a top five, top ten draft pick. Mm-hmm. I will – I'm going to – this is my hot take on May 16th. KU beats Texas Tech next year. Okay. And they, then – They always Texas, battle it. They always and, battle. And then Texas Tech fires Matt Wells, and then they hire Art Riles. Oh, God, I hope he does not get a job. I uh, He should be in jail. But we're going to move on. So – what we're going to do, and we'll, we'll circle back, and we'll have deeper conversations about some of these, um, if if it if we need it, and we'll talk more football throughout this entire show. But we're going to say things we're confident in, then we're going to move to things we're scared about, and things we still have questions about when it comes to this football season. Um, it can be as vague or as detailed as you want it to be, but it's just going to be a good way to get the football conversations going. They'll get some Twitter interaction, and then we'll carry this theme into the live show coming up on Thursday. So I'll let you go first. Um, Give me the first thing that you are confident in either saying or whatever here on May 16th for this upcoming football season. I am confident in the quarterback position. Um, Returning Skylar Thompson is enormous for this program. I mean, we saw last season just how much of a different difference it makes even having like an experienced quarterback. Um, we're obviously Skyler guys. Um, we have been, he's not a great quarterback. I would say he's a good quarterback, but he has potential to be like a game changer and he's been a game changer many times in his career. But the most exciting thing is he returns probably the most experience in the big 12 outside of maybe Brock Purdy. Um, I, that I is think he's invaluable. Probably played more than Brock yeah. Purdy. Um, that in and of itself is mm-hmm. invaluable for this program. And I think he's going to have a lot to prove. Um, I don't know. It's, it's really exciting to have Skylar back. Um, I've always felt pretty comfortable with him in the pocket. Um, he's not perfect, but I think you can look throughout his career and games that we've lost, I wouldn't necessarily say are solely like oh, because our quarterback didn't play well. But we, I can point to multiple times where we've won games where because Skyler put the team on his fucking back and was like, we're not losing. So I think just, uh, you know, the competent, having a competent quarterback, having a guy that knows the system, having, having that experience under center is going to make everyone around him nice and calm and, it's huge. Nothing yeah, so, against Will Howard. I, I think Will's going to be good. I really do. Well, so I'm here dead. here is – so I'm I'm not willing to hit the eject button on Jake Rubley, and I'm not even willing to go as far as I've said uh, in the past about Jaron Lewis because I've had a couple conversations over the last couple weeks with folks, and everyone is, like, going over the top. Like, it's always saying, hey – Skyler's the guy and Skyler wasn't full go in spring ball. Like and no one's trying to like start a quarterback controversy. No one close to the team thinks anything except for Skyler's going to have a big year, but they're all saying like unprompted and they'll tell anyone who will listen that Will Howard made a massive jump 
And then they're also talking about how great Jaron Lewis's arm strength is. And again, I'm not I'm not trying to hit eject on Jake Rubley. He but he should have been going to prom, not in spring spring ball. I'm not going to panic about him. But you are hearing a lot of good stuff about the guys behind Skyler. So that was good. That's that was number one on my list as well as quarterback play. Even if Skyler were to go down, I think quarterback play is going to be exponentially better because yeah. Will Howard is exponentially better than he was last year and Jaron Lewis is starting to get it figured out in between the ears and he has maybe the best arm talent on the team so I I agree with you 100 percent quarterback play is going to be a plus for this team and also hearing this type of stuff makes me not worry for 2022 yeah, You know, I actually think Skyler coming back sets us up for the best possible long-term success. No matter who the quarterback is in 2022, they're getting a whole nother year to learn and be ready. And, and say it is Will Howard, he will still have starting experience. He will then be a third-year player in the system, and I think he'll be able to hit the ground. And he's a thick boy now. My yeah, goodness. He is. Yeah, he is. Oh, All right, man. what's your what, – what's, what's yours? The second yeah. one for you. So an, another one for me is I'm confident that Deuce Vaughn is going to give you production. Yep. So and, and I phrase it like that because I think there's a real chance it comes back a little bit. I think what he did last year was insane. You know, leading receiver on the team, leading rusher on the team. Uh, he was able to anytime he touched the ball, it's like, oh, he could take this to the house. Um and, and it'll depend on some other folks on the team. Um, if other folks can become a threat and let him get one-on-ones with linebackers, I mean, he could, again, get it back to the house. But I think he is too good to have a, like, sophomore slump or just completely vanish. Um, will he do a act like a repeat? I don't know. But I know he's going to be an asset for the team, and I'm very confident in that. Deuce, my, Deuce was also mine, um, so I'll try to think of something else. But well, man, I have another one if you if you want. I agree so with you because let's talk about Deuce. We yeah, I mean we need to talk about Deuce because he's. I watched uh, Clint's video yesterday of his top ten plays last season, and I would encourage you and anyone to go watch it. You you kind of forget how good he really was last year. Um, so yeah, I mean I agree. If we can get like even a second weapon, I mean I think. Actually, we probably need more to that because Briley Moore was kind of like our second weapon last year, and they could kind of key on both of them. But if we can get any wide receiver contribution and maybe a second running back that they have to watch out for, God, I mean, yeah, Deuce, I think, could have an absolutely ridiculous year. Um, Because, I mean, the damage he did last year was pretty fucking impressive, playing only 10 games, um, nine of those being conference games. And, you know, after about – after half the season, every single team knew exactly what we were going to do. <laughs> and we were trying every which way to get the ball in Deuce Vaughn's hands. And there were still times where it didn't matter what they were doing. If he had the ball in his hands in open space, I mean, it was over. You think about the Texas game, it didn't matter. They were absolutely blitzing us. But there was a time where we were keeping it, you know, within two scores. The writing was on the wall. They were going to they were gonna fucking destroy us because we couldn't stop anything. But – um, I mean, this is against Texas athletes. This is against blue chip recruits reduces in the open and he's making guys miss. He's hurtling guys at the goal line. And the crazy thing is he's bouncing off, you know, would be tacklers that are twice his size that has, you know, 80 pounds to, on him. And it's, it's crazy. Um, he is going to be an all-timer at K-State and I, I'm so excited to watch him play. But I was going to say, I'm actually sneaky confidence in the offensive line. I think that this might be a year where Connor Riley's, um, you know, potential as a coach and his quiet genius is going to shine through. Um, I think, you know, not only are we like, we're finally returning some experience across the board, but we're kind of pretty much too deep along the entire line. And, I think we have some really good guys there. So 
Um, it's not just depth. I think we actually have quality depth and offensive line is so important to have experienced players. And we actually have that this year. You know, a lot of guys were kind of thrown in the deep end last year, but um, half the time they were able to show that they had the talent to play at this level. And um, I mean, the offensive line struggled a little bit last year, but you could see the pieces. So then returning with that experience is going to be huge. And I think we'll be pretty solid running. No, I, I agree with you, uh, on, especially on the offensive line. I'm pulling up the projected offensive line. So left tackle, you have uh, BB, which I think everyone ideally wants him to get to left guard, but the young tackles just aren't ready to go quite yet. Then you have Revis, who's been playing for four years, and he has that athletic ability. And what, If he stays on assignment, he's a legitimately good left guard. Then you have Noah Johnson at center. Again, you can say stuff about Noah Johnson. I, I think he was a tad overrated, but he was honorable mention all Big 12 last year. Then you're going to have Poitier or Adler at right guard. Again, great combination. Then Mitch or and then Duffy at right tackle. Then on the inside, you're still going to have whoever Poitier or uh, Adler who doesn't win that job. At center, right guard is the backup. You're going to have Whit Mitchum and Willis being your tackle backups, which they're going to be freshmen. And then Warner, left guard, a freshman. These are all athletes, hyper-athletic offensive linemen that Connor Riley recruited, and they're starting to get there. They're start. You're going. To, I mean, you're you probably will have two of the guys they recruited starting next year, and then all the backups are their guys, and that makes me excited. I'm right, there, and, right there. Yeah, with I mean, you. I do. I mean, yeah. Noah Johnson, honorable honorable mention, Big Twelve. He's playing in his extra season, and you know that's invalu- that's invaluable experience in leadership. But he might be like our worst guy. So like that, <laughs> that is a good thing though. Like the fact that you know the guy that's probably the least athletic, least talented, has the most experience at least, so it can kind of balance itself out. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited for that. So my last thing that I'm confident in, and it's going to be the boundary corners. So I think, oh, you know, yeah. we, we might be talking about the inside here in a bit, but these are, this is your two deep at cornerback. You have Julius Brents, who was one of the top, like highly recruited, highly re- renowned cornerbacks to transfer with multiple uh, years of eligibility. He is going to be, like a round three or round four cornerback at some point. He has three years of eligibility left. There are some people who think he's only going to go. Yeah. yeah I, I don't, I, he's going to have a, if he goes pro after this season, it would suck for the 2022 season. That means he had a monster year. So that's fine. And then the other one is going to be Echo Island, Echo Boydo. He is still green. Like he's only played like what Oklahoma was his first game. Then he missed a couple games. Uh, with some injuries and COVID stuff, he's like played in six games and he has the speed, he has the length, and he's still learning the position. And then behind Julius Prince, you have Justin Gardner, who before he got hurt was looking like a borderline all-conference type of guy. Again, another long guy with those arms. And then behind Echo, T. Denson. We love T. Denson. Again, he had, Denson. Some, he had some injury issues. He was still young. But again, a hyper-athletic guy with the length. Those are your two deep at cornerback. And that's like even before you start looking at like guys like Omar Daniels and some of the freshmen that are coming in in this class. And, yes, you could probably you would probably take another boundary corner with some experience in the transfer portal if you can get it, especially with multiple years because uh, Justin Gardner is going to be gone after this year. But I am very excited about the boundary corners. I think that I, – I think that K-State will have – and you have to you have to separate nickelback from cornerback. So boundary corners, I think we have top three in the conference, boundary corners. And they're finally tall. You know, when they're lining up against when, when any of these four guys are lining up against the wide receivers at Oklahoma, they're not gonna be like dwarfed. They're gonna have a chance to go up and make a play on the ball. Yeah. No, I agree. I think this is as deep and talented as our corners have been. In quite some time, maybe since, I mean, we haven't had this depth for a while. I mean, we've had, you know, when, when Duke Shelley was playing well with, uh, 
uh, DJ Reed on the opposite side of him. Those are two good, you know, quality top three in the big 12 uh, type starters. Um, but they were, they were undersized. The different thing about these guys is they're fucking big. They got length. I mean, Julius Prince is six, three as a yeah, corner. They, That's where really, arms, they, they look like avatar, you know, with yeah. their big ass arms, man. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, I think the secondary, even though like it has spots where it's lacking depth is about as exciting as it's been in, in years. So I totally agree with you on that. Let's talk about some things that we're scared of. Um, yeah, give, give me your fears. Number one for me is Skylar's health. Um, even though, you know, we've heard Will has made these big jumps, um, we can really only pull from the game experience that we've seen. And what we've seen is an error prone, you know, green <laughs> freshman quarterback who's a kid who's frankly inaccurate in the passing game. Um, you can maybe say, in you know some scenarios that has to do with game speed but there are definite times where he just flat out missed guys where he sailed guys by a mile where he you know threw it short hit him with an l roberson skip (laughs) a bounce pass um and i don't think he has great arm strength um to be honest um but we'll see we will see that said, Skyler goes down. I mean, it absolutely changes. Let's say Will has made this jump. I still don't think he is going to be able to match the type of no. potential, the type of consistency, the type of you know experience and know-how in within like the playbook and where he needs to be that Skyler would. And he's not going to be able to make those types of in-game decisions that Skyler would. Um, so it would still drop us down, I think, a couple notches as a team overall, as an offense overall. So I don't want to see Skyler get hurt because that changes a lot. No, I, I agree. I think that's an accurate fear. Um, something that I think was falsely attributed to Skyler, and I'm not saying you did this, but before this most recent year where he did miss you know, almost the entire year, he only missed one game due to injury his entire career. I think some folks have like, because he's taken beatings. And I think, especially during the Alex Delton uh, crossover, they were both in and out of the game so much. I think there's been some false equivalency or the Mandela effect or whatever you want to call it, thinking Skyler has this vast injury history when he doesn't. But I am scared for himself. Again, uh, he still isn't 100% back, but he is progressing quicker than anyone thought. People didn't think he'd be able to throw it all during spring ball. He was able to do seven on seven. He was able to do individual drills. He just wasn't able to do team or contact. So I'm there with you. I'm going to be scared. I'm, I, yeah. I'll tell you this. Anytime he takes off running, I, my heart's going to pitter-patter, man. I mean, you're right. He really doesn't have – it's not like he's injury prone. He has a great injury like uh, free career. Um, anytime that he was really not playing was kind of due to – some fucking bullshit manufactured cornerback controversy that was completely unnecessary and not due to injury. I mean, I'm racking my brain trying to think of a time where he was actually held out of a game for injury. Uh, it was the, it was the KU Maybe. game. We almost lost. Oh yeah. Okay. But still, wait, wait, Delton did play that whole game. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, and, and I, honestly, we're, we're not big Alex Delton guys, um, but you, you can't take away <laughs> what that kid was able to do in that game. He absolutely gutted in that game and he was hurt himself. He was hurt himself and he gutted through and he won that game. So again, um, I I don't want to, because Alex Delton, I think blocked me on Twitter because of this podcast. Um, (laughs) Whatever. And that's fine. I just want to give him his proper due because Alex Delton is the the reason. is alive. Thanks. No doubt. Yeah. yeah, 100%. So I I just want to give him some credit for that game. I mean, Alex Delton is just as much. Alex Delton is just as much of a victim of Bill's bullshit as Skyler oh. was. I mean, neither one of them were really ever given a free like runway. I mean, I think it's obvious Bill probably want, Bill Bill probably gave Delton a better chance. Yes, and f- from everything that we've heard from behind the scenes, that's definitely true. I think Bill probably preferred preferred Alex Delton and wanted Delton, but. Still, the the yo-yoing of quarterbacks was not is not 
sustainable. I in any scenario, I don't understand what coaches are thinking when they're doing that. But well, then Bill remember is, when Bill he, was demented, so whatever. He, he tried to make them both co-captains, and oh my god! Like again, I I one hundred percent agree with you. I think Skyler would have would have just taken off and flourished if he was able to truly be given the keys to the car. I'll say this: I think Alex Delton. Uh, while he would not have been able to get some of the wins that Skyler did, I think if Alex Zelton would have been given the keys to the car and say, hey, this is yours, um, instead of this back and forth, neither one of them can ever feel confident, I think he would have been way better than he showed. 100%. And this actually is going to bleed into my next point. Yes. Or my next what I'm scared of. If Alex Zelton had better wide receivers group to work with, he it definitely would have helped him. I mean – since 20, basically 17, 18, this is what I'm scared about, the wide receiver group and how they're going to con- contribute contribute to this season. We haven't had really a competent, dangerous, consistent group of wide receivers since like 2017, 2018. Um, and it's something that our offense has greatly struggled with um, basically since Bill's last year. Um, I mean, think about it. Even like Zuber was awful in the year his final year at k-state we could not get anybody open um so delton really had nothing to work with in that sense either but um i'm definitely worried going into next season um i think we have some wide receivers that have potential obviously malik Knowles, he's a big question mark which we will talk about later in our question mark segment but this year especially, we've seen last year that there are times where our genius offensive coordinator draws up a perfect chess play, gets our guys wide open, and they drop it. And that is the type of like margin of error that we do not have. So can we, one, not only execute those types of plays where, I mean, they should be high percentage catches. Like these are open guys that are just dropping fucking like wide open passes and it like alters the entire trajectory of the game. It seems like, but can we have, I think Malik is going to step up. I think, I mean, you know, the question mark with him is just, can he be healthy, but who else is going to, now you're going to question marks. Not yet. I want to touch on that later, (laughs) but like, is there a second or third guy that can consistently provide some sort of um, contribution because you know, as we saw last year, only really having like a tight end to work with and occasionally the wide receivers would make a play. Um, it takes away our greatest weapon, which is Deuce Vaughn. And he, they can just load the box. Deuce, Deuce is tiny and it makes it much harder for him, you know, to contribute to the game, to make it to make an impact because they can just load the box and let our wide receivers be one on one on an island because they can't fucking get open. They're not going to make plays. So. How is our wide receiver group going to look this year? Because we need them to be better. That still sounds like a question instead of a fear, but we'll move I'm on. I'm scared of it because I don't <laughs> think they're going to be good. That's my that's my fear. There we go. No, no, you're fine. I, I was just teasing. So my first fear that I'm going to talk about is the non-con football schedule. Because that's a good let's one. just let's just go from like easiest to like toughest of the non-con. So we're playing Southern Illinois. That's our FCS team they so they just finished up their season because they played a spring season so they have a very short turnaround but they made it to the fcs playoff semifinals and lost to south dakota state they went one two three four uh five six and three this season so they're a salty non they're a salty fcs team they made a run in the playoffs. They beat North Dakota State by 24 points. Uh, granted, they got their asses kicked by uh, South Dakota State twice, and they got their ass kicked by North Dakota. But they're going to be a salty team, and that's not even our first game. But that, that I'll talk, touch on <laughs> Stanford in a second. Then we have Nevada. Nevada last year finished third in the Mountain West, going seven and two. The year before that. They went seven and six. The year before that, they went eight and five. The year before that, three and nine. They sucked. But again, <laughs> they, they've been a very salty team every year since 2018. That's not going to be a gimme at all. And then you're mm-hmm. opening up the game again with 
what I have said, and I've stolen stolen this talking point from John Kurtz, the second biggest game in the Chris Kleiman era, that game in Arlington, that game on what's going to be national television, a game that is being criticized by a large group of K-State fans, a game that if you don't win, it's going to suck all the excitement out of the season. You're going to have tons of people saying, oh, you should, you never should have moved it. It, it will, it will create, I think, an even worse toxic atmosphere amongst the fan base than that loss to Arkansas State. If you lose that game. I agree. Totally agree. That would be six straight losses too. Yeah. So I, so I am like legitimately scared of that non-con because then it's it's not even the non-con. If you get into the start of that football season, I mean, Hold on, Brutal. I'm pulling it up. It's it's a very, very to tough top, start. We got to play the top three Big 12 teams in a row. I mean, Oklahoma yeah. State, Oklahoma, Iowa State. So if you're looking at that two and one, which isn't even guaranteed, as you've said, Nevada um, and uh, South Dakota State. Southern are Illinois. Not, give me, Southern, Illinois. Southern Illinois, whatever. They're all the same. But uh, FCS, even these days, you know, that that um, gap has, has – has, uh, closed a little bit uh, between FCS and and then but here, here's the inverse of it say say you find a way say you find a way to go three and oh then all of a sudden what, what do K-State fans love more than anything else getting super excited before you have to go to Oklahoma State and then fuck lose. that place because <laughs> that, that I'm not be... going if we're three and oh I'm not fucking going what if we're two and one lose every go? time no, I'm not going regardless. We lose every time. We I go still to that might go, hole. but yeah, it's it's wild. Except for the basketball game. That basketball was game was fun. Yeah, we won. We beat the shit out of them. That was a good yeah. time. It was a good. What time. a shitty arena, by the way. Yeah, Gallagher Iba. So sucks. overrated. It is the weirdest arena. I, I hate it. Way too steep. Do you remember the incident that happened while you get, we were getting dinner before we went? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was a, one of the funniest moments ever in the history of that my life. Horrendous. Not funny for you, but um, funny for me. Okay, oh, good now. Yes, yeah, yeah, it all works out. Okay, so <laughs> before we before I get into my next fear, I want to give a shout out to our day one, our boo, our bay. That is BetOnline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and all your favorite UFC, MMA action. And again, Grant hates it, but they also have all the MLS you could want to bet on. Before the next pitch, or before they step on the pitch, pitch, why'd you have to interrupt the ad read? God. Before the next pitch, or before they (laughs) head out onto the pitch, get over to BetOnline. .ag, either on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sports news and sign-up bonuses and all the information. Bet online, your sports book at experts. Also, you have a lot of beef on Twitter, but you should focus on Kansas City Stakes if you want some more beef. Great you want segue. To, amazing segue. It's, how, it's what I do. Uh, you want to work hard. You want to play hard, so treat yourself. Stock up for the summer. And all your barbecues at KansasCitySteakCompany.com. You get 10% off your order if and free shipping if you use our code SD for sports drink. SD at checkout. USDA prime American style. Kobe beef. Hard to find specialty cuts. Everything you can want on your grill. I've actually had their all beef hot dogs. And honestly, I think hot dogs get a bad rap. Get a good grain mustard on it. I'm telling you, I'm going to order some of their hot dogs tonight along with their butter tender filet mignons and a Kansas City strip because your boy likes a Kansas City strip. Again, go over to KansasCitySteaks.com. Use promo code SD for 10% off and free shipping. That's KansasCitySteaks.com. Promo code SD for 10% off and free shipping. Okay. The next thing that I am legitimately scared about is the depth at safety. I like J-Mac and I think Russ Yeast is going to be a good addition. But behind that, big trouble. Especially if TJ Smith is going to play nickel. Because I don't think Amaris Brown is ready. 
God bless Ross Ed- Elder. Ed- Edler. Elder or Edler? I don't even... I'm it doesn't even this. matter. Yeah, that's I'm the, not showing that's, him That's all you need respect. to know. That's all you need to know is you don't even know the man's he, name. Well, I... I I'm just it's elder I'm pretty sure Uh, okay and also I have a long history now of showing I'm horrible at pronouncing last names I mean (laughs) we go through it every single live show every single Q&A show the the kid works hard I'm not going to dog him but it's not good we're not in a good position if we get beyond our starters at safety so I'm legitimately scared and you know J-Mac has had some injury history. He was slowing down by the end of the year. We don't know anything about Russ East. I mean, he has some decent stat lines, and I think he's going to be good. But, I mean, until you see it, you, you don't know. And also, they love to rotate players. So yeah, it do. doesn't even matter. It, it doesn't even matter if they're not hurt. They're going to rotate. So I'm, like, legitimately scared about our depth behind our two safeties. Yeah, that's – that's a good one. That's that's probably one of the best ones that you can pick because, shit, I mean, we saw our lack of depth, and this doesn't really count, I guess. It's hard to pull from last year because of COVID, but you saw what that lack of depth really did for K-State. Um, at one point, you know, we were putting linebackers at safety, and when Ross Elder, you're right, was in, it's not to be mean to Ross Elder. Um, I feel bad talking shit on him, but he's a walk-on and he's a legitimate walk-on quality player and he shouldn't be in that position. And if he is in that position, our defense is going to be um, exponentially worse. So hopefully we can find maybe another transfer or maybe somebody else can step up, but yeah. So I'm I'm gonna get to some of that. But in hey, my shit! Questions. If we do have to put if we do have to put a state a linebacker at safety, we can do it with Wayne Jones. That would be so, a little bit better than Sullivan. Okay, so it was an so actual safety. That that's true. So I I don't have a spot to bring up Wayne Jones, but I have like talked myself into Wayne Jones linebacker like elite Hell, move. Yeah. Like I've, I've convinced, and and that could all go out the door, you know, September 4th or 5th, whenever it is when we're playing Stanford, that could be dashed in the first like drive by Stanford. But until, but until that moment happens, I have convinced myself that Wayne Jones at linebacker is going to be elite. And I fell in love with Wayne Jones, the safety, his true, or I guess it would have been his red shirt freshman year. I was all about Wayne Jones and last year hurt my soul. But I have officially convinced myself that him and Daniel Green playing linebacker together, they're going to just rock some heads. I, there's mm-hmm. nothing that can happen between now and the start of the season to get me to come off that take. But like I said, it could all vanish five minutes into the stand. I'm scared of the Stanford game just in general. Um, I have a terrible record of in-person games where the hype was big and we played on a a decently big stage and I will be at that game um I'm scared of feeling like I did in Nashville 2017 I'm afraid of how bad it's gonna feel when we lay a fucking egg inevitably I don't think I'm telling myself I mean this is different it's a different era that was a bill thing we fucking laid eggs on big stages um I mean, that's yeah. just reality. Kleiman um, lays eggs on small scales. He does. Playing, he does. When you're playing yeah. West Virginia and Arkansas State, no one's watching. When people are watching outside of that whole Iowa State 45 Yeah, we're, we're probably going to fucking blitz Stanford. I mean, and, then, and then lose, and then lose to like Nevada. Nevada or something. Yeah. I don't know. And then I'm afraid of losing to Iowa State again. Losing to them two years in a row. Would, I mean, we can't. So we can't here's give my ground to them. I, so I, I don't want to lose to Iowa State, but this is why it doesn't scare me. It used to scare me, like, the first time we lost to them. Like, it's I thought that, actually good now. Well, I mean, fine. I mean, they, like, I think they got, like, eight wins that year. Yeah. Um, but, like, I thought that, oh, man, once they finally get one over on us, like, their internet fans are going to get better. And they were going yeah, to but... be able to, like, <laughs> you know, get at me. And I'd feel like, damn, they got me there. They've never gotten me. Yeah. I'm undefeated. Everyone's undefeated. Who's the best Iowa State Twitter person? Cyclone Larry? 
Cyclone Larry's actually pretty good. He's I should good, follow him again. He's good because he's like he's funny. not serious. Like he He's in on the joke. He's self-deprecating enough. And I don't know. I mean, I think like I forgot, but he like follows a lot of sports teams and all of them are like tragically bad. So he's pretty decent. He's pretty self-aware and he's actually pretty good at like trolling other people. Um, so props yeah, to but, Cyclone Larry. That's like but definitely they, them. everyone like they're real thing. Like that's, that's a troll account. I mean, and the sir or whatever his fucking name is. They're, My God, yeah. he is the worst. He doesn't know what he's like, talking about. So they're common but, fans that are like interacting. They're they're like hashtag cyclone one nation. Those guys are fucking awful. I mean, yeah, they are just habitual losers. I, I don't know how yeah. they haven't they don't they they're like I mean it's like they're all like boomers, like they shouldn't be given access like to the internet because they don't know how to use it. Yeah. Like, and- they, <laughs> Like they would see something and be like, like, like there's still people like bleeding into like John Kurtz's response and some of yeah. them or John Kurtz's post about blue bloods and a lot of them are Iowa State fans. It's just like, Jesus, you shouldn't be allowed on the internet. Like you should have to take a test. Yeah. So again, like in the real world of like, no, you don't want to lose to Iowa State because regional, you don't want to give them oxygen, but. I used to be afraid for like my own Twitter account, and like now it's just like no, I yeah. don't. Because I mean, the, I, the, when they finally did get one over on us, it was a great Twitter time. Like, oh yeah, it was hilarious. It was We're like dunking on ourselves. Was, yeah, it was amazing. That was I mean, last time. Nice. Last time it was just like they were trying to laugh at us, and all you had to like, and, and they could you'd just be like COVID year fake, yeah. like, and then they would just melt down, and then it's like, oh wow, that was easy. Yeah, I so, mean, yeah, exactly. Let's talk about some question marks. My first yeah. one is just the linebackers as a whole. Um, all new faces, basically, uh, except for, you know, Daniel Green. And, you know. Who I think is, like, technically still a sophomore. Yeah, he's <laughs> and he hasn't contributed a lot. Um, I mean, in terms of, like, snaps, you know, he's on the lower end. Was our third, last year. Third most snaps last year. But, I, you know, when I think about it, it's, of course, last year was a COVID year, but – half the fucking time Sullivan and Hughes were like not even eligible to play. So they weren't that good. Last year. They weren't that good. They weren't that good. So I, it's like, I don't think that we can take that big of a step down. Um, and even if we're like on par with last year, you know, we'll probably be, they'll be good enough. We're not going to like challenge, but shit. I don't know. I mean, we fucking beat OU last year. We were started four and Oh, and our losses weren't for the lack of lack of a linebacker position. It's not like we were, I mean, it didn't help, but a lot of it was the fact that we had no safeties. We didn't have a quarterback. So I think it's not that bad of a question mark. I feel like actually no, it, it's, probably be fine. It's definitely a question mark, but it's like, now that I think about it, it's not my biggest concern. Yeah. So Landers, that's one for me. Wow. Okay. Just go, go right into it. Just going to cut you off. No. Well, I just feel like Joe Klanderman is he's green. Um, he showed a lot of inconsistencies last year. Um, I think he had some games where he called great games, um, TCU namely, but I also think still, he showed a lot of situational. Game. You should fire it up. Fire I, it up I to might, I might, I might watch an old this game afternoon. Game. I might watch OU. I might watch the Mississippi State game too. Um he showed a lot of I think, like, as a whole, he didn't have, like, a lot of terrible games, but there was a lot of situational downs where he was really, really poor. Blitzing, uh, like, Tech um, last year. Third down, he was fucking awful. Every Honestly, throughout the entire season, he was historically bad on third down. Um, Did that have to do with personnel and what he had to work with, you know, not being able to have a consistent group of guys that you could count on? Maybe. So – but he's a huge question mark. He's still very green. He was hired from within. I feel like we don't know the jury, the verdict, the jury is not out yet on him. Yeah, I'm going to get my questions in here before you cut me off again. My <laughs> number one question is what are we going to do at Nickelback? So um, my ideal world, um, I, I think that there are still dudes who can be plug and play from day one Nickelback in the transfer market. 
So in my ideal world, we grab like the Evans kid from Tulsa or some of these other guys who can play Nickelback from day one. Then you park, you know, the catfish man himself, Reggie Stubblefield, right behind him. And then you move TJ Smith to being a full-time safety. So then you actually have a guy who's going to return next year uh, who I think has potential and can start playing at safety and to alleviate some of that depth. That said, you still have to find that plug and play nickel. And then also there's been talks about how Subblefield might actually be a safety in our defense, not a nickel, um, which, okay. Like if that happens, okay. He's safety depth, but you're still sitting with the exact same questions at nickelback. And again, he's a one-year guy. I would not put him in the safety room. Uh, no. I, I, I wouldn't do that, but again, I'm not a coach. I don't know anything. That's fine. So I have a massive question at nickel because that is so important in today's offense. It has to be a guy who can cover wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs. It has to be a guy who can step up and help in the running game. It has to be probably one of your smartest guys on the field. So um, I think TJ Smith can be that guy, but he's coming off of an injury and there's no one behind him. So if you can get a transfer in that spot, I think that would be ideal. The other question, I think this is going to go hand in hand because you have questions about Malik Knoll's health, is who is going to be that outside pass catching threat? Because I think Daniel Matterbebe is going to be the real deal. I, I, again, I This is my own fault. Anytime I hear anything from someone inside the program or, you know, insiders, <laughs> you know, whether it's firsthand or secondhand information, I – I believe it with my whole heart. And if you believe the stuff that, you know, John Kurtz, uh, Derek Young have been sharing with folks, or if you talk to anyone who's at practice, any players, coaches, trainers, whatever, they are saying that this dude is the real deal. So that's going to be your inside threat. We already talked about Deuce Vaughn. And honestly, low-key, I think Keon Mosey is going to have a – uh, a lot to say in the passing game, but who's going to be there on the outside? We know Malik Knowles can do it, but will he stay healthy? Sebastian Taylor had some great games, but then he'd go missing also coming off of an injury. Uh, Keenan Garber, okay, is this going to be the year he finally makes that big step? There was a lot of hype about him early in spring. Then people are trying to pump the brakes. Um, you know, I, I would love it. I, I would love it if Keenan Garber took that big step. But then you have, you know, RJ Garcia. He's my, like, he is a dude who I think is going to be great for K-State. Sadly, he wasn't able to come up during the spring. If, if he, if he would have made it up in the spring, I would have been making all sorts of bold predictions about RJ Garcia and what he's going to be able to do next year. And then, uh, oh, oh goodness, uh, Hawkins from Texas. He did make it up for the spring ball. He's a 6'4 dude. He's from Texas. He's weighing 206. You know, Texas Tech wanted him. We want got him in recruiting. KU wanted him too. So it was a pretty decent uh, recruiting one for us if we're going after a wide receiver. So you have some new guys coming in. Um, can some? Can one of them step up? But, like, if you're only going to be dependent on Malik Knowles as an outside threat, I mean, I, I think the offense is in trouble. Yeah. I think – I do think Imadabebe, in terms of talent and playmaking ability, is going to be the real deal. I mean, there is enough evidence on YouTube just watching the type of plays that he's made. I mean, you can tell the guy, you know, is an athlete. He can catch the ball. Is he going to stay healthy? He's had a difficult career staying healthy. So if he can just be consistently healthy, then we're going to have a good option there, you know, in the passing game. And I think if Garber is just good enough to make the defense think about him, I think that'll be huge for the offense's functionality. Like he doesn't have to be incredible, but if he can take just a little bit of pressure off of him. He can be Viking Gill. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if he can be an option that can take some pressure off of the Deuce Vons, the Amada Bebe, the Malik Knowles, That'll be huge. We can, he can he, if he's just somewhat of an option. I think we'll be all right. But I think yep. we're going to be able to stretch the defense more than we have been in the last two to three years. Um, Bradley Moore, I think, was great. Um, but I think Amater Bebe will have more potential in terms of the passing game that he did. And uh, 
Sammy just, Wheeler's back like, healthy. Yeah. Sammy Wheeler's back healthy. He's good. He's good. I love Sammy Wheeler. Yeah. I love Sammy. I don't know. I think Feed Jack Steneen. Be... Feed Jack Steneen. Make, sure bre- make sure he doesn't break his hand again. I mean, he does have really good hands, actually, for a big boy. Big fullback. Um, I mean, I don't want to jinx us, but it does. this seems like this is going to be the Malik Knowles breakout year. I mean, he had so much going on last year. It looks like he's I mean, I've heard he's bulked up a little bit. He's ha- he's already in this period has had the most consistent run of healthiness in his entire time at K-State. If that's not an indication of, you know, a positive trajectory going into the season for Malik Knowles, then I don't know what is. Um, well, and now, we'll the, now the magic man, Courtney, the mustache magic man, Messingham, his official yeah. nickname. Everyone loves my nicknames. That's his position coach now. Yeah. So, so that's going to fix it all. I think we'll be good. I'm excited. The offseason sucks so much, though. But we, it's so long. This is the absolute worst period. Baseball, although the Royals got a nice win last night, I did see that. Um, but like my two favorite sports are now not happening. So you're just, I'm just like clawing for, I guess MLS, you know, that does count as one of my favorite sports, but you know. I'm ramping up my MLS hate now. You guys fucking, I'm triggered. I'm just going to turn up the heat. Every other tweet's going to be MLS. <laughs> Dude, your Twitter account is miserable. I just, the biggest win Arsenal had all year was Chelsea not winning the FA Cup. But yeah, guess how many days we are away as, as of taping this from the Sanford game? Uh, eighty. Eight. I don't know what, what 111 111 okay that's pretty far away yeah that sucks and then three months hey fuck Chelsea that's all I'm gonna say if I can't if I can't revel in my rivals defeats then you know that's sports baby that's fun yeah so that's all we have today unless you have any more football topics you want to touch on before you go back to being a dad um that's it i think we've gone pretty long this is yeah that's enough i think it's a good show uh everyone tweet in any of your confidence fears or questions probably should have come up with a better terminology for all that but it is what it is um join us on thursday where we're going to talk about this as well grant and i will share some more of ours we'll get all the boneheads takes on it we'll have fun on the locker room app um and yeah that's all we got for this week Um, We love you guys. Stay safe. Uh, Enjoy some of this relatively mild weather in May because eventually it's going to be hot as balls and it's going to be miserable. It's going to be the worst season, as it always is. Summer sucks. Folks, meet me at the cafe. Podcast Network.